in the house of God. That's what it is. It's, a, it's just a couple of hours on Sunday. A couple hours a week. I know that we are all probably guilty of investing a lot more time in other things. But there's nothing, there's nothing more valuable than you being here this morning. And especially if you are with your family, if you can turn one way or the other and there is a family member joining you in the house of God today, it does not get any better than that. Doesn't get any better than that. And uh, we uh, certainly do welcome home our youth, and I know that they worked very, very diligently and uh, prayed and fasted, and I understand that the youth convention was a great success. And so we appreciate all of those that helped and all of those that uh, attended. I know that you were blessed. Amen. Praise God. All right. If you don't, uh, if you don't see me clapping my hands like I normally do, well, it's because it, I have a toothache in each wrist. And it will not go away because I was playing basketball the other, well, actually a few days ago now, and I did a crash into the wall. And uh, here, and like that. And so it couldn't hurt the head, right? <laughs> but uh, certainly uh, the wrists are still in the recovery state. Amen. All right, we'd like to call your attention to the book of Genesis, chapter number 49, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10. And uh, it's so good to see each and every one of you. Good to see uh, Bob and Linda with us here today. God bless you. Good to have you All right, here we go. And Brother Cliff, if you would be so kind as to turn those track lights down for me, I would appreciate it. Verse number 8, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Your hand shall be in the neck of your enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp or a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. In other words, it's as if he, that lion had gone out, got its dinner, you know, and uh, he stooped down and he crouched as a lion and as an old lion, kind of resting in his den after what he had done there. And the question, who shall rouse him up? And verse number 10. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, talking about his ancestry, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And this is making reference to the birth of the Messiah. This is Jacob speaking. He is calling out. He is, he is working towards the end of his life. 
He has called all 12 of his sons in and he has pronounced the future blessing and the destiny of each one of his sons. And God honored that. Jacob was a special individual. Amen. God thought so. Amen. Right. Amen. So with that, I would like to speak to you this morning on this thought. Time to wake up Judah or time to wake up the lion. <laughs> Amen. And uh, if you would, I would ask you to join with me. I'm going to ask Brother McCune if he would lead us in prayer one more time. And I ask that you would just give your attention to the Word of the Lord here this morning. We want to bring you something that will encourage you and build you up because as Sister Smith taught in the adult lesson today, we are living in the time. Amen. The time. That we need the prophetic Word of God to enrich our lives. And only it can bring us through the through the power of the spoken word and through the power of the indwelling spirit will empower us and enable us to conquer the face of the enemy that certainly is on the attack today. Amen. Brother McCune, if you would be so kind. Our Lord, as we are here in your presence in your house, we ask God that you would let your power be upon us to touch every night. Lord, that by your word and by your spirit you would speak to each one of us that we might be strengthened today. For we need your guidance and we need your strength and we need your power to walk in these days. Ask God your mighty anointing upon your minister and upon each one that hears that we might leave this place uplifted and encouraged. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. One version of that reading summarized reads like this. It says, Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. Judah, you are a lion cub. You have come back from the kill, my son. He lies down and rests like a lion. He is like a lioness. Who dares rouse him up? A lion is noted for its strength, its power, its bravery, and its fearlessness. Its roar. Now, I'm not... Everything that you Google, everything that you read, of course, we know by now that it doesn't necessarily mean that it's fact. Okay? So, the characteristics that I'm giving to you I don't know if they're exaggerated. What I do know is there's a reason why a lion's a lion. And it's been said that a lion's roar can be heard for up to five miles away. It can run up to a top speed of 50 miles an hour. It can weigh up to 500 pounds and it has a horizontal jump of 36 feet. And it is very protective 
of its family and territory. In fact, the lion is so efficient, it gets what needs to be done in about four hours, and they say that it can, it, on a daily basis, that for up to 20 hours a day, it spends relaxing and sleeping. That's what you call efficiency. How many of you would like to get things done in four hours and go R&R for 20? Wow. And so, the prophetic word of Jacob, Israel, he's talking to his 12 sons who would become an absolute uh, essential to the nation of Israel, God's people, and to the redemptive plan of God. He puts upon all 12 of them a particular blessing. But he sees something and senses something in this one called Judah that just simply jumps out at us. And he closes it and he says this, who is going to walk over and rouse or disturb that lion? Let me ask you today, would you walk up to a sleeping, relaxing lion, right? And would you be so brave as to walk up and start shaking him a little bit? Probably not. But there's a reason why that he speaks these words. Who is this son of Israel by the name of Judah? He was the fourth son of Israel. Not the first, not the second, not the third, but he was the fourth. And we let me take you to his birth. Revelation, or I'm, I'm sorry, Genesis 29 and 31. We know that Jacob, he was initially a deceiver. And he reaped what he sowed. He wanted Rachel, he got Leah. And he got both of them actually. But we're told this in, in uh, chapter 29 of Genesis verse 31. It says, Now when the Lord saw that Leah was hated... That's a word it used. That she was hated. Hated by who? Well, you can kind of figure that out. But other versions say that when the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, that she was despised, that all the affection was going one direction toward Rachel. The Bible says that the Lord saw that. And he opened the womb of Leah, but Rachel was still barren. Leah gives birth to three sons initially. The first son is Reuben. Reuben is born, and we're told that Leah calls his name Reuben because the Lord has seen. In other words, the Lord had looked upon the misery 
and the affliction that Leah was going through, and he heard. You got to understand that underneath the underlying of the character of Leah here is there is an apparent relationship that she has built with her God, possibly because she had to go there. And so we're told that she calls his name Reuben because she says the Lord has seen my affliction and misery. That wasn't good enough apparently. Still didn't capture Jacob's attention. And so we're told that she gives birth to another son. His name is Simeon. The word Simeon means God hears. And we're told because the Lord has heard that I am not loved. God sees where you are at today. God hears where you are at today. He hasn't forgotten any one of us. And then thinking probably that surely Jacob will show me, he will show me some kind of love. Nothing. She gives birth to the third son, Simeon. Or I'm sorry, Levi. Levi means companion. She named him Levi, companion, because she felt, now at last my husband will be my companion. He will show me some affection. Nothing. She conceived again and gave birth to a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. And she called his name Judah. You understand is that, that Rachel could not give birth to this one called Judah. Only Leah could. And only she could give birth to now. I will praise the Lord. is because that she knew what it was like to be unloved. She knew what it was like to live in misery. She knew what it was like to be the uh, stepdaughter, if you will. The one that was not so beautiful. And then we're told that she stopped bearing. Later on you'll find that she gives birth to two more sons. So we have three voices speaking to the future of Judah. One is Leah. How many years did this somewhat homely, probably, lady suffer through loneliness and a lack of affection from her husband Jacob? But when the Lord saw that Leah was hated years into her marriage to Jacob, this is what it would take to finally give birth to Judah. You're right, Sister Smith. You don't get something for nothing even though we are servants of the Most High God. It still takes through the life sometimes affliction and misery to bring you to a point where you can give birth to the high praises that God and only God is deserving of. You see, the word Judah is not in the Hebrew vocabulary yet. 
with her firstborn Reuben, meaning the Lord has seen my misery and affliction. How many days of praying until finally God blesses her? We don't know. When she held Reuben in her arms, she knew that God was looking out for her, but still, she still did not get what she wanted. How long between Reuben and her second son Simeon? We don't know how long it was really, but what we do know, it was several years. God heard her. God saw her. Years of going through that kind of stuff. Being treated terribly by her own family. This would be the driving force in her life that would ultimately turn her toward God, crying out to Him and finding in a world void of natural love a God who sees, a God who hears, a God who cares until finally her heart is in a place which has been molded and shaped by the unseen Master of her life, of her soul, and she gives birth to the very very famous son of Judah. Now I will praise God. Did Leah have an unction of God that only she could discern? Through all her years of suffering, she gives us Judah. Without Judah, there is no Jesus. Without Jesus, we are still lost in our sins. Without Jesus, our faith is but vain. God still, He still sees. He still hears the cries of misery and affliction. I can tell you stories we all have them, but I, I can tell you story after story of people that I personally know, some of them outside the church, and they are in, they have went through times of such misery and such affliction, and I'm not sure where their relationship is with God, but I'm here to assure you one thing today, that no matter what state you, that you are in, no matter matter what state that comes your way, there is a God. He is alive. He still hears you. He still sees you. He still cares for you. I want to be a Rachel. Rachel cannot give birth to Judah. But if He can ever move us to a place called now I will praise Him. Judah can be your world changer. Judah was born to be released into the world. Listen to the words of prophecy. Jacob called his sons and said, gather around so I can tell you what will happen to you in days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Judah, your brothers, we, we read it to you early. Judah, 
your brothers as he had already placed his hand upon Reuben and Simeon and he and Levi and he comes he comes to Judah. I don't know what went through that father's heart. I don't know what the function of God was in his life to pronounce such prophetic destiny over Judah. But here are the words that he said. He said, "You, your hand will be on the neck of your enemies." Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, Judah. And who dares to provoke or rouse you? He would go on to say, the scepter or the amplified Bible or leadership shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh, the Messiah, comes to whom it belongs. And unto Him shall the gathering of the people be. What are you saying? He's saying that Judah, God has called you and ordained you to be the leader of this nation until the Messiah comes. And He'll take that scepter from your hand and He will lead His people. Listen to what Moses says. Moses in 33.1 He said Moses is before uh, his death. Here's what it says. Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the sons of Israel before his death. And this regarding Judah, he said, listen to the words of Moses. Hear, O Lord, the voice of Judah and bring him to his people. Let his hands be sufficient for him and be thou a help to him from his enemies. How would you like to have Moses? How would you like the hands of Jacob put his hand put over you and bless you and and preach to you a word of spiritual destiny. How would you like to have Moses come up to you and pretty much repeat the same thing? We're told in 1 Chronicles 5 and 2, though Judah prevailed over his brothers and from him came the leader, eventually the Messiah, you see, God has always ordained men and women to lead the charge, this gospel, the salvation of the eternal souls of men and women and children was not put into the hands of angelic beings. It was put into the hand of real humanity. People will be saved because you go and you knock and you tell them about the good news. You are the, you're the way that people get saved today. Hallelujah. Judah the leader. How does Judah reach his spiritual destiny? They have went through years of oppression in Egypt. 
We're moving ahead in our story. In Exodus chapter number 3, 23 through 25, we're told that all of the nation of Israel is in Egypt's bondage. But again, watch what they do. The Bible says, they cried unto God. God heard their groaning. God heard their groaning. Oh, listen. God still hears the cries of men. God heard them and God looked upon them. God sees, God hears. And God raised up a leader from the tribe of Levi by the name of Moses. God rescues His people. Moses leads them out of bondage and on toward the promised land. But in the process, God gives him the commandments and a pattern to build the tabernacle. Brother Cliff, would you put that up there? The one with the tabernacle and the camp. You, you, you see this? We, we move through the Bible so quickly. We move through those seven verses from the birth of, of, uh, uh, of Reuben to the birth of Judah. We move through those seven verses in less than you know, two minutes. But it's years and years and years. Sometimes I don't think we get the magnitude of what God did among those people as He brought them out of Egypt. 600,000 families for the most part. 2 million people. It's been reported so you can read the different commentaries and some say that that campsite took three square miles. Some say more than three square miles. Back it up to that other one if you would. And so here we go. Moses goes up and he gets the, he gets the, the commandments. He gets the initial, the very first printing right off the press of the Word of God. Hot stuff. And then he also he gets a blueprint for the tabernacle. The tabernacle, what's the big deal about the tabernacle? You understand it? The tabernacle was a representative. The Ark of the Covenant, it was a representative. It was the symbol of God with His people. They called it the meeting place. They called it the the tabernacle of His presence. Why? It's because that was the means. That was the vehicle in the Old Testament. That was the place where His glory was. And Moses said he had a plan and he put together this campsite. There was order. God's never been confused. He's always had a plan. Praise God. And so, Numbers 1 and 7 were told that the Lord spoke to Moses while he was in the tabernacle. And he is told to number the congregation, and he's to choose leaders from each tribe. Nashon, the son of Amenadab, is chosen as the leader of Judah. 
Numbers 2, God gives Moses instructions as to the placement of the tabernacle and how camp is to be arranged. And he says, every man shall camp by his own standard or family tribe with the banner of their father's house around the tent of meeting. In other words, every family, every tribe had their God-called position. It wasn't a matter of drawing straws or who was the toughest. It was a God thing. God is still choosing. God is still placing. God is still trying to position His people. You are here today because He has called you. Because He is choosing you. Because He wants you. The symbol of the tribe of Judah according to historians and also Revelation 5.5 is the lion. Judah will be placed at the front. A place of honor. Listen carefully. And, and I, know what, I don't know what verse it is, Brother Cliff, you can get there. But he said, Moses said, God told Moses. He says, put Judah in the front. He said, put him on the front, on the east side, using his words, toward the rising of the sun. In other words, Judah was, he was the daybreaker. He was the one that received the first light of the day. He was the one that woke up early. He was the one that led the charge for the new day. Judah was not randomly chosen for his position. He was living up to his calling. He was living up to the words of prophecy that were spoken into his life. Every tribe was the same distance from the presence of God. You understand, is it? You and I all have equal opportunity. Every tribe had its place. Every tribe was the same distance from the presence of God except for Moses, Aaron, Aaron's sons, and the Levites. They're the ones that you see in close quarters. and That was their calling. That's what they were supposed to do. But every tribe and family had its place. They knew its place. They kept it their place. But along with that, they mutually supported and were supported by the other tribes. That's what we do. That's what we do. The church is here to help you. The church is here to support you. Spiritually, I'm talking. The church will be here for you. This church is here for you. This church is not here just for a showcase. This church is here for... 
for you to find God, for you to find salvation, for you to be supported by heaven. They were all the same distance and the ark within the tabernacle was the temporary representation of God on earth strategically placed right smack in the middle of camp. When it came time to dedicate the altar for the tabernacle number 7-1 and it came to pass on the day that Moses had fully set up the tabernacle, he had anointed it. There's a reason why that we still do that, friend. There's a reason why we believe on the laying in the laying on of hands. There's a reason why that we believe that this oil is not magic of any kind. It is a fulfillment of the word of God that has been placed in the hands of the ministry. And when we anoint you with oil, we call upon the name of Jesus Christ because He is your great physician. And when Moses, they set up the tabernacle, they anointed it, they sanctified it, all the instruments, and anointed and sanctified the altar and all of the vessels. And then the the princes, he called on the princes and the leaders of the twelve tribes to bring their offering at the dedication of the altar. Each separate day, the leaders would bring their offering to dedicate the altar. There's nothing more important. If the altar don't work, nothing works. Listen, guess who was chosen the first day? It was Judah. Judah, lead us to the altar. Show us the way. We know that you were born to praise Him, but also you were born, Judah, you were born to lead us to that first sacred altar of sacrifice. There were two million people watching Him as He was the very first one. On the way, he would bring six covered wagons, twelve oxen for the Levites. Then for the altar, he would bring silver and gold and incense, a bull, a ram, a lamb, a goat for the sin offering. Then two oxen, five rams, five goats, five lambs for a peace offering. Wake up the tribe of the the Lion of Judah. Lead us to the altar. You understand it wasn't a group of a few people standing by or like they were in Jesus' day looking to see what they would drop in the offering basket. No, sir. This was the very first dedication, Brother Woods, of the altar that would serve them for hundreds of years that God Himself would come down and start the fire. And Judah led the way. 
He brought cart. He brought covered wagons for the ministry. And then he brought silver. And he brought gold for the altar. And the people, by the hundreds of thousands, can you imagine that they were cheering him on as he was leading that mighty procession for the dedication of the most sacred part except for the ark? Cheering him on. Go Judah. Go Judah. And he set the example. You can read it. And day two, the next leader would come. The next leader would come until finally that altar was dedicated. And this would be the campsite of the people of God that got Balak's attention, the enemy to the people of Israel, that would prompt him to hire a prophet who rode a talking donkey by the name of Balaam. It's true. Balaam was hired to put a curse on God's people. He tried numerous times from different vantage points, but finally, listen to his prophetic words in Numbers chapter 24, verses 2 through 9. The Bible says Balaam lifted up his eyes and he saw Israel, who he had been hired to curse, but he saw Israel abiding in his tents according to their tribes and the Spirit of God came upon him. I'm just reading. You understand? This was a this was a hired. This was a hireling. He was just. He wanted. He would have been hired to put a curse on God's people. But every time that he tried, he came up empty. And this time, the Bible says that he looked out from a vantage point and he lifted up his eyes and he saw them in their tents, according to the tribes and the. Spirit of God came upon this hireling and said, I, Balaam, whose eyes are open, heard the words of God. I saw a vision of the Almighty. I fell into a trance, but my eyes were open. And he said, How goodly are your tents, O Jacob, and your tabernacle, O Israel. What are you going to do when you look out and you see the glory of God's people, two million strong? You see their tribes in order and you see the tabernacle and the pillar of smoke. He says, he goes on, he says, His king, Israel, shall be higher than Agog and His kingdom shall be exalted. Listen carefully. He shall eat up His enemies. He is crouched down to rest. He lies down like a lion. Who dares to rouse Him? Judges 1 and 1. Now after the death of Joshua... 
Moses changed leadership and put it into the hands of Joshua. Joshua dies. Now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight? The Lord said, Judah shall go up first. He's just been called to his spiritual destiny. It doesn't come without fight, Sister Smith. It doesn't come without a battle. It doesn't come without getting up and facing the new day that rises upon you and you understand that God has called you. He's called you to be the spokesman that says God is the Lord Jesus Christ and it is Him that I serve. Who will go to first defy? Lord said, send Judah. I have delivered the land into his hand. And Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the enemy into his hand. Napoleon, that crazy leader of France or wherever it was, listen to what he says. He says, if you build an army of a hundred lions and their leader is a dog, in any fight the lions will die like a dog. But if you build an army of a hundred dogs and their leader is a lion, all the dogs will fight like a lion. Known for its fearlessness, it has no fear. There is no equal to it. It's a symbol of courage and strength. It'll run 50 miles an hour. It's roar. When it begins to roar, they will hear the praises of Judah for five miles down the road. And it spends up to 20 hours a day resting. Just waiting. Waiting for somebody brave enough to walk up and begin to rouse him up. Begin to disturb him. Judah, wake up! Remember, he's just serving until the One, the Mighty One, is to come from His tribe. Somebody's got to fill that gap. Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, afraid, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah, yet out of you shall He come. 
He will come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. He will stand and feed His flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. Now shall He be great unto the ends of the earth. Without Leah there is no Judah. Without Judah there is no Caleb. Without Caleb there is no Boaz. Without Boaz there is no Obed. There is no Jesse. There is no David. There is no giant killer. Without David there is no Messiah. Hallelujah. And if there is no Jesus, then our faith is in vain. But I'm here to tell you that your faith is not in vain. That the ruler, the King of Kings, He did come and He fulfilled His calling of destiny. He came and He ruled. Revelation 5, 2 and 5, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll or the book? But no one in heaven, John says, he says there was no one in heaven or on earth that could open the book or even look inside it. And John says, I wept. And I wept because no one was found worthy to open the book and look inside. But then one of the elders said to me, Weep, see the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. I am by virtue of the new birth born into the tribe of Judah because Jesus, I am born by the name above every name in their heaven and earth. He is the one that I took on as my heavenly Father. I was born into the tribe of Judah. Judah prevailed over his brothers even in failure. At least, I understand this is crazy stuff sometimes, but Judah failed. Oh yeah, he did. How about the father of your own grandsons? Come on. You can check that out for your own. That's your own study. But listen, he had to persevere until his tribe gave birth to the real leader that was going to be born of the Virgin Mary who would be born under the umbrella of the Son of God that would walk around as the representative of God, the invisible God that became a man. Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. 
But he had to persevere until his tribe gave birth. Years. Hundreds of years. They failed. They went into captivity. God was silent forever. Seemed like 400 years. But in the end, Judah's destiny was fulfilled. Why? Because the Word of God had been spoken over that man, over that tribe. And the Word of God will never fail. It will never come back empty and void. It will accomplish everything that it was said that it would do. We are called to be first in praise. Now I will praise. Now I will praise Him. I will praise Him. I will praise Him. When the sun rises on a new day, I want to be the first one, Lord, that offers You my praise because You saw my misery. You saw my affliction. We're called to be first in praise. But we're called to be first at the altar. We're called first to be in giving. We're called first to be in battle. The banner that I fly is the lion of my tribe. But the real banner is found in Exodus 17 and 15. After an exhausting battle, Moses builds an altar. All day long, Aaron and Hur have been holding his hands up because when the hands of the men of God were raised, then God would seemingly defeat that enemy. And when the hands of the men of God would slowly begin to descend, the enemy would take over. But but Hur and Aaron and they raised his hands. And at the end of the day, God had accomplished and defeated the enemy. And the real banner today is found in Exodus 17 and 15. After that battle, Moses built an altar and he calls it, The Lord is my banner. Amen. The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. He is my rock. He is my strength. It's His name. It's through the power of His name that brings me victory. He's the one that defeats my enemies. The Lord is my banner. That's my banner, but listen to the Song of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse number 4. We're, we're told that uh, Solomon invites uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, whatever her name was, or whatever the Bible says it, he invites me into his banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. That's the banner that God flies over your soul. as you stand with us. Now I will praise Him. Now I will praise Him. In this day, there through all of our brother Jet, through all of our affliction, through everything that you're going through, it's for a reason. It's to bring you to a point where you can give birth 
to something that you have never given birth to yet. It's that praise that finally comes over you and says, in the midst of my conflict, in the midst of my anxiety, now I will praise Him. He is my world changer. Yes. 